This is Purple Elephant, where I bring the proverbial elephant to the table in order to deconstruct ableism, prejudice and misconceptions. On today's episode, we have Kerry Thompson. We talk all about changing places toilets, the importance of them and why the UK needs to get their butt in gear to allow disabled people to have the autonomy to go to the toilet when they're out and about, just like everyone else. It's a really interesting conversation. I learned lots and I think you will too. They say we're only three accidents away from being disabled. Mm -hmm. So you don't know whether you're going to get a disease like I was diagnosed at 24. So you don't know if you're going to go down that route or whether you're going to be a child that's born with a disability. So I would rather fight now than have in 10 years time somebody still fight for the right to go to the toilet. Welcome to Papa Elephant, Kerry. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? Thank you for having me, Sassy. Um, I'm very well, thank you. Can you tell the listeners of this podcast who you are and what you do and kind of where you come from? Sounds like we're on a blind date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So blind date is, um, my name's Kerry Thompson. I'm a disability blogger and campaigner and I live in sunny Milton Keynes. So the land of the concrete cows and roundabouts. <laughs> In my eyes, I don't know if this will make you bashful or not, but I, I see you as pretty famous within the Changing Places world and campaigning. Could you tell us what a Changing Places toilet is and why they are necessary? A Changing Places toilet is a different style of um, accessible toilet. So it's designed for people with more complex needs. So it has a hoist, it has an adult size changing bed, and it's a wide enough space to be able to fit more than just yourself and one carer. So you can go in with two carers, with three carers. So it needs to be a wide enough space to fit all the equipment in as well. So a lot of my audience are able-bodied slash non-disabled. And this is probably an intrusive question. So if you do feel comfortable answering it, great. Why, why do you specifically need to use a changing places toilet in comparison to what people might see as an accessible slash disabled toilet that they know? I need to use uh, changing places because of my disability. So I have a, a rare form of muscular dystrophy, which is a progressive muscle wasting disorder. Um, there are a quarter of a million other disabled people out there and their families that need to use these different style of toilets as well so they're designed for not just an adult they're designed for children they're designed for the families they're designed to be able to have that safe space mm -hmm. um, to be able to go to the toilet because you'll find that i found that a few years ago up until when i found that these toilets existed um, when i was going out with my husband you either go out somewhere and there's no accessible toilet that's big enough to fit both myself and my husband or there's a, an accessible toilet that has everything but the kitchen sink in it mm. or there's an accessible toilet that isn't working it isn't functional so you were limiting your time out and i was limiting how much i was drinking as well mm -hmm. so i could go out with a bottle of water and I would take two sips in a five hour period, just so I could stop myself from going to the toilet or needing to go to the toilet. Mm -hmm. So there was no accidents while I was out. So I didn't have to wear like an adult size tenor lady. Mm -hmm. um, so it can become quite stressful and it can give you anxiety when you go out and there's no accessible toilets for you to be able to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we live in a first world country. We live in the UK where they have the money to do this. And it, it does make me very sad and very angry, actually, that it's a basic human right. And as you said, two, 250,000 people um, need these changing places toilets along with their carers and, you know, the family members that may be assisting them. And yet that we're still seen as an anomaly. 250,000, yeah. if that was if that was anything else that wasn't in a classified zone of disability, people would be like, this is stupid. Why haven't we got one everywhere? Yeah. I mean, I, I get that being an able-bodied person, you're never going to understand mm. what it is and what the importance is to be able to have that safe space. Um, 
it's if you haven't got anybody in your family or in your friends connection that is able to share with you the struggles they're unable to go food shopping they're unable to go and enjoy the cinema they're unable to go to a park so then you're limiting your life just because you're disabled it doesn't mean that you don't want to go out and enjoy life just because we're disabled it doesn't mean that our life has completely stopped yeah absolutely and the thing is I've noticed very much in my own campaigning over the years of being on the internet that able-bodied people who are also bloggers and journalists and travelers and all those, they are the people that are like, whoa, I didn't know this. Thank you for educating me. What can I do to help? And I always appreciate that. But the issue really is, is it comes down to the people in power. It comes down to the government. And um, when people like Boris don't give two craps about us needing to go to the toilet yeah well it, it's ridiculous um yeah I, yeah yeah go on um the government have just just before we went into um the COVID-19 lockdown the government did announce that they were going to do a 30 million pound fund for um companies to come forward to build a change in places in their facility which is great it means that they do understand or they're they're in the middle of understanding the need for these toilets for families and disabled people so they're able to change them in a parent and child room when they go out but then unfortunately toddlers do become life-size versions of myself so then it becomes even more harder for them to go to a toilet and you don't want to change your child on a dirty toilet floor and that's what's happening mm -hmm. children are being changed on dirty toilet floors and even teenagers and adults are being laid on a floor because they're unable to find anywhere else to be able to do anything else mm -hmm. because i think that's part of the issue there's so many people out there like you campaigning and really raising the roof but it's not filtering down and I think that that's part of the issues because it isn't filtering down, then able-bodied people who use the ladies and gentlemen toilets pop in, pop out. They don't think of the person behind the accessible bathroom or the changing places bathroom if there is one around. So the fact that, you know, parents especially are having to change their teenage slash adult children on the floor whilst potentially injuring themselves as well. Absolutely. It just, it, it makes me so sad because yeah. that you're losing your dignity. The person on the floor being changed is losing their dignity and the person helping them is losing their dignity because if either of them had a choice, they wouldn't be doing that. And I, I mean, Yeah, it's got to be heartbreaking for a parent to take their child that's unable to tell you how, you know, heartbreaking it is for them to feel about change being changed on a floor and it's it's got to be hard for a parent to even muster the courage to do that but they know it needs to be done i mean i'm lucky enough where i've got my husband and i'm vocal enough to be able to say no i don't like that mm -hmm. whereas you know parents don't always have that choice they want to be able to take their child out and enjoy life but then they also need to think about the risks as well. And it's got to be heartbreaking. I mean, I've spoken to some parents that are campaigners for changing places. Mm -hmm. And the stories that they've told me, you know, it breaks my heart. And that's why I'm so passionate. Because it's not just about myself. It's about the thousands of others. And the other, you know, we are living in a world where we live longer and we are living in a world where you're only, they say we're only three accidents away from being disabled. Mm -hmm. So you don't know whether you're going to get a disease like I was diagnosed at 24. So you don't know if you're going to go down that route or whether you're going to be a child that's born with a disability. So I would rather fight now than have in 10 years time somebody still fight for the right to go to the toilet yeah it makes no sense to me which is why i'm so passionate about fighting for the future means to have the right to be able to go to the toilet mm -hmm. yeah and expanding on that as well is that 
as we all get older, although we're living longer, by, by biology, all our bodies are going to start deteriorating. So whether it's, you, you know, you might end up using a walker or you might end up losing some vision or you need support in any other way. Disability is the biggest minority group of the population of the world. And the older and older you get, the more fragile you become, which means you're more likely to need facilities that when you're 24, 34, even 54, you're not going to think of. And I think it, it saddens me that there are people like you, like me and, and the parents as well of um, disabled children who are doing these campaigns for the changing places toilets. And it, people still aren't understanding or appreciating the magnitude of, it's not, it's not for me, it's for us as a collective because you yeah. just don't know what's going to happen in life. No. I, I, I would like you in, in the respect that I, I acquired my disability. Uh, I wasn't born with my disability. I broke my arm at the age of seven, which then triggered arthritis and arthritis went through my entire body, then went to my eyes and left me blind. But being blind is tough. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. having, having to use a wheelchair for eight years of my life was way trickier than losing yeah. my sight because I feel like in a lot of ways, I still have access to a lot of things. Whereas if there was a flight of stairs, well, I was an ambulatory wheelchair user so I could get out and my parents could drag the wheelchair up behind me. But not everyone has that luxury. Not no. everyone has that ability. And it's just like... You, well, you, you hone in on the picture of everyone at some point is going to need adaptations. doesn't matter what it is. It's going to be adaptations of some sort. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have, you have the invisible disabilities as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, the change in places is for the invisible disabilities because, you know, you have Crohn's, you have IBS, yep. you know, you have people that use scooters. So, that, I mean, the change in places is for everybody. That has a disability it isn't just you know homing in on people that have a wheelchair or it, it, it's for everyone that has a disability that needs the space to be able to go to the toilet safely you know you have the hoist which is great for me you have the adult size changing bed and you know some changing places do have showers you know there is a shower attached to the, the changing bed, the adult side changing bed, which is height adjustable. Mm -hmm. So you're, you know, it is, and I know that Tesco's have built their toilets where there's a stoma bag shelf. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's thinking of the other disabilities as well as just the wheelchair users. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, and that's the great thing about changing places is it's very diverse. Is diverse for any type of disability and any type of age that's out there. Because obviously, like I said, the aging community, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes they like to scoot around on their little scooters. Mm -hmm. And having a standard sized um, accessible toilet, they can't always take their scooter in. Mm -hmm. You know, they're having to leave it outside and walk that little bit further, which, you know, might create problems for them. Whereas they can go into a changing basis. They can take their scooter in there with them and they can leave it safely. They can transfer safely, which makes it obviously a safer place for them. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, there, um, I have actually used changing places toilets because there has been changing places toilets where the accessible toilet for some reason has been not in use. So I've yes. used them and yeah, the difference it makes, even with me, and I, I have a guide dog, and then um, my husband, depending, the, the one time it happened, I didn't know where I was. I'd never been to this area. And so, because it was the only accessible toilet around, um, he came in with me, and it was like, wow, this is huge. And like, I just really felt like this is the reason why people need to know the importance of it because it doesn't actually impact on anybody else, but it no. is so useful. And again, it's a, it's a basic human right that everyone should be entitled to. So yeah, yeah. you touched on there about um, Tesco's and the Changing Places campaign that you're doing. Um, yeah. Are you able to disclose how you got into working with them and why, why they felt it was necessary? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, as I fell into campaigning about changing places by mistake, um, and it was through reading a friend's blog, and she touched upon the subject of changing places and you know what this style of change, you know this style of accessible toilet was about. And I found myself sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, I need this toilet in my life. Where have these toilets come from? Mm. Because my husband and myself had struggled for so long. Now, like I said, there's either gonna be an accessible toilet that's too small, I was being hit, you know in the head by a sink i was being hit in the side by a baby changing table mm. my husband could barely kind of get in by the side of me so it become a it become like a, a checkers inside a toilet of whether or not you could go so you would maneuver things about to be able to get to the toilet and then sometimes you would find yourselves kind of coming away and saying Do you know what i need the toilet but it's not worth breaking backs over mm. so you would hold it so yeah i um went to a muscle meeting um for muscular dystrophy in my local area and they were talking about changing places and obviously i just read about it and i just started my blog then as well mm-hmm. and i wrote a piece about you know the importance of changing places and you know how i just found them and how I was excited to go and see my first one and you know where have these toilets been for the you know the last couple of years that my myself and my husband have been struggling. And um talking to one of the organizers for the muscle meeting, she said, Oh, you know, have you heard of the change in places? You know, we're doing it through muscular dystrophy. Um, how about you have a look at the site and leave your story? So I thought, okay, great. And then I offered my services. I just said, look, you know, if you need anything, you know, if I could write something or, you know, I can help the campaign, just let me know. Mm-hmm. So it kind of started from there. I got an email one day um, asking if I wanted to go along to a meeting um, at Tesco's in Milton Keynes about changing places because they were thinking about building some within their stores. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll go along. I did, to begin with, I'm an R about it. I thought, mm, do I go along? Do I not go along? It was my first ever real big thing with changing places. And being me, I was just starting off. Mm-hmm. But I went along. I was within a room full of directors and big wigs of Tesco's. There was 12 men there. There was a couple of women. It was very daunting and it was very nerve-wracking. And, you know, I lost my voice a couple of times where I was just very nervous to kind of tell my story because it was the first time I'd really openly spoken to a room full of people Mm -hmm. about my story. And we started chatting and I started explaining the importance. And, you know, they had loads of questions to ask of, you know, why these stories were important and what impact it would have, you know, on disability world plus myself. And they literally took my story and the thousands of other stories that, you know, is similar to mine and they made it their own. And it's amazing to see from start to finish where they are now. And they're not finished yet. You know, they're still going. They've just announced, you know, to me, another 25 being built. Amazing. Which brings it close to 100. And for Tesco's to have made such an impact because it would it would have made an impact to thousands of families and disabled people to be able to have that choice to go food shopping you know they can go and travel to a friend or travel to a family members and know that on the way if there's a tesco's with a change in places they're able to stop off they're just stop off. and let's face it when you go into tesco's you're always going to go in there for a sandwich or a loaf of bread there's yep. always going to be something you're going to remember that you need so yep. in a way it's it's i mean it's it's a huge declaration for them to make in building this amount of toilets and to keep building as well and it does put an awful lot of others to shame 
Yeah. And it's a shame that they can't see, like Tesco's have the need of why these toilets are so important. Because let's face it, it's not as if they're making any money off of making these toilets. Mm -hmm. To them, it's very much dead money in building these toilets but the impact that it has doesn't make it dead money because it gives people the opportunity to say right okay i have a disabled child or i am disabled myself or you know i have an invisible disability and i go food shopping you know to tesco's or i go to asda now i'm going to go to tesco's because you know i have that safe place to be able to go to the toilet and not have someone hearing you know because autism if you if you're autistic sometimes going into a standard normal toilet can be quite stressful mm-hmm. whereas going into a change in places it drowns out the noise it's just you and whoever you're with and sometimes that can be a bigger impact for them mm-hmm. so yeah for tesco's to make such a huge commitment to the disability world on making these toilets and building these toilets is huge and you know i'm so grateful that i'm still involved Mm -hmm. and that i'm able to see as a campaigner you don't get to see and i get excited about this because you don't as a campaigner you kind of campaign campaign you say you know this is what we need this is why we need it Mm-hmm. when are you going to build yeah. and that's it whereas going to these meetings and seeing the red tape and how they do things and what they have to do to be able to say right okay here's another 25 this is what we're going to do this is where we're going to build and things do change you know there has been a couple of times when they've said they're going to build certain they never announce it to the world where they're going to build because things do change sometimes you know one store can't do it at the time that it needs to be done so another store will jump in Mm -hmm. and they'll have it done before the other one does so things do change but it's it's really interesting to see that all the different parts that maneuver to get these changing places built Mm -hmm. so it is quite amazing and as a campaigner you know i can i'm entirely grateful for being a part of you know the movement that they've made Mm -hmm. yeah i i wanted to touch back on what you were saying um almost to help people really understand that you called it dead money for tesco's but the spending economy of disabled people within the uk alone is 270 billion pounds annually that's not dead money that's a lot of money that disabled people and their friends and families are spending and so if you have to talk to businesses like they're a business then yes 270 billion pounds annually could be coming to you and all the other places that you've been thinking hang on where are our disabled customers where is the disabled customer base when you start treating people like people then they'll know, like, and trust you and they'll keep coming back. And I yeah. think that's what I've, I've learned over the years myself, that you and I are, are almost apologizing for them for being accommodating when we shouldn't yeah. even have to do yeah. it. It's, it's like you're apologizing for being disabled mm-hmm. when you shouldn't have to apologize for being disabled. I mean, yeah, the purple pound is huge. And, you know, a lot of companies don't realize that making just the slight adjustments to their place mm-hmm. um, brings in that disability, brings in the purple pound to them. And you know, giving them the safety measures to be able to spend their money with you yeah. is great. And that's what Tesco's have done. Tesco's have made it so you know, we are able to go out and instead of rushing around for an hour, because let's face it, everybody goes food shopping and everybody likes to take their time you like to take your time and sometimes if they've got a cafe you like to sit down and have a drink and a scone or you know a sandwich and mm-hmm. you know that's they're making it where you're able to do that but yeah i find that the disability world 
is very much a forgotten world mm -hmm. and you do sometimes feel like you're apologizing for being disabled i apologize that i'm coming to your shop because i'm disabled and i'm unable to use your shop mm -hmm. yeah and i i don't know if you you know about this or you agree with this but there's the medical model of disability versus the social model of disability yeah. and i i really powerfully believe in the social model of disability that the disabled person is not the problem it's society yeah and yeah it, it it goes straight back to that tesco's sainsbury's asda morrison's all of these are massive multi-million if not billion pound companies and to spend do you do you know the average spend that it takes to build an um a change in places toilet mm. The average spend can be between 35 and 40,000 from my understanding. Right. So, I mean, that's an average spend. I could be completely wrong and somebody could quite easily send you a message and turn around and say, no, you've got it wrong. This is how much it is. But that's the, that's the standard price to put the equipment in to make the adjustments that need to be doing. Because obviously, you know, you do have an adult size changing bed. Yeah. you have a sink that's height adjustable as well in some toilets some changing places have a shower um then you have the toilet which is central to the wall so you know if plumbing needs to be moved then you know all these added costs are in and then you have you know the added little bits like um the screen you have the the toweling that can go over the bed so it it can cost you know it is a very expensive toilet to build but it's a necessary toilet to build to be able to have a safe space and you know that it always comes down to having that safe space absolutely um we we i guess as a society as well when when you think about it it sounds a lot of money but by the time you bring in the purple pound again with the disabled yeah. people and their families and then the world of mouth, like this area has a, a, a change in places toilets, that supermarket will be stuck to like glue because everyone will be going there and spending their money there. So quite yeah. quickly, they make their money back. And I think that's, that's the beauty of business is that this, this isn't just a good thing this isn't a like the moral thing which they should be doing anyway it actually makes great business sense and i think maybe because i'm self-employed and i don't know if you've listened to any of the other episodes i've done but i did one with martin sibley and we were talking about this and it is you just got to help make them see that if you speak to them like a business then they yeah. act, they they react like a business but then they all then they you dig deeper and you see their humanity and so the fact that you know you had 12 12 board members of, of men and women to listen to your story and yes you probably would have been nervous and gosh i would have been too but they i, I mean like with yeah with them i went straight for the humanity i went straight for the kids yeah i went straight for you know this is you know how would you feel if your wife or your husband came back to you and you said hi honey how was your day and they you know had a horrifying story to tell you is that they couldn't find anywhere to change your baby to change your toddler to change your teenager and it ended up being a dirty toilet floor the back of a car in a car park where everyone can see yeah. how would you feel if your you know your other half came back and said that's what they had to do with your child mm -hmm. and for them that was a huge impact because they were all parents yeah and you know that their ch children are they're everything aren't they i mean i don't have children so i, I don't have children able, no. yeah so i would never be able to judge what it is to have a child but i know that my mum would move heaven and earth to make sure that i was okay and that i was safe absolutely yeah which is what every parent you know does yeah. that's what parents job is is to make sure that your child is safe and make sure your child is happy and that's all anyone wants to do yeah absolutely and i i'm i'm so privileged to be part of the disability community and and know the people and the parents of children who 
are campaigning whether it is about changing places or anything even from like a local to a national level and when you yeah you touch on the humanity and everyone their heartstrings are pulled and then they can appreciate it they they stand in your shoes and they're like oh my gosh I cannot believe that you've been going through this for years yeah what can I do to help and yeah it is we we, we target the humanity because we are all humans at the end of the day and at our core we we just want to love and respect and appreciate one another and if you bring children into that we're protectors uh, as someone that doesn't even have children if i'm seeing my nieces and nephew you know fall and trip over i'm the first to run and try and grab them and pick them up and make sure they're okay and yeah. so yeah we're just we're just protective of of the yeah. kin of our young so absolutely yeah absolutely and you know Tesco's have put other companies to shame. And when I say, you know, when I say dead money, I think that's kind of what a lot of companies see mm. building one of these toilets as. They don't see the purple pound that comes into, into building one of these toilets. They just see that, well, if we spend 30, 40 grand on building these toilets, are, anyone, are they going to be used? Is anyone going to come? But it's giving building them they don't seem to understand that building them gives us the choice mm. you know we're we we're given them a choice instead of having that choice taken away from us yeah. you know nobody wakes up and says hey do you know what i'm going to be disabled today yeah you know, no parent wakes up and says hey let's have a disabled child mm -hmm. it's not something that anyone wants to put on somebody and it's not something that anyone wants to be Mm -hmm. I'm proud of being disabled and I'm the person that I am today because I'm disabled, mm -hmm. but I also would like the choice to be able to go out and to be able to live my life because no, I didn't choose to be disabled, but I'm going to make the most of what my life is mm -hmm. and how I want to live my life is down to my choice, not to down to somebody else's choice. Absolutely. And we, we deserve to have the autonomy of choice just like yeah. everyone else yeah absolutely yeah we were talking about the cost being quite expensive how can small businesses strive to improve their facilities when at this precise moment they may lack the funds to do so with the government announcing now the 30 million of they're making it ready available for companies to come forward and say i have the space i can build the space this is how much it's going to cost they can put forward for this money to be allocated some parts of it to be allocated to them to be able to build a change in places and i think that's amazing in the fact is that you know it's now instead of me begging and it is it's begging every time i send an email or i speak to someone i'm begging them to build a toilet and you're always getting back, I'm sorry, but I can't because of the money or it's just not something we're looking into right now. Whereas if now, instead of me saying, please build a toilet so I can come to you, I'm now saying, how about you look into the government funding? How about you look into building a toilet? Because now it's not coming out of your pocket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same, the same goes for hospitals. I mean, you would think that hospitals would have changing places in their facilities of what, you know, they're capable of doing. And they haven't. They are the world's worst. Yeah. And you, yeah, you would think that having a change in places would be a need for them because that's where we go to get treatment. You know, that's where we go to see a doctor. That's where we go to get treatment. That's where we go when we need a hospital bed. And that's where we stay for, you know, a few hours upon end when we have an appointment. But yet I'm being told, no, I'm you sorry, you can't go to the toilet because there's no way of being able to hoist you onto a toilet if I take my PA. You know, if I'm with my husband, I'm fine because he weight bears. Whereas if I take my PAs, then I am having to wear a tenor lady just in case I do need to go to the toilet because yeah. I can't expect them to wait there and break their backs 
because then I'm breaking the law yeah yeah I this this has gotten to me so much over the years and as someone that didn't even know about changing places toilets up until about two or three years ago as a child that used um, a manual wheelchair that I could get in and out of hospitals were literally the worst place for going to the toilet and I just found it so bizarre but also so frustrating because I just thought I know there are places like intensive care units and, and other wards that are specifically geared and have hoists and bigger toilets and availability and don't get me wrong then the nurses the hcas all of them they do the best at their job Absolutely. but yeah. i just don't understand why a place where disabled people frequent <laughs> is the place where they do not have majority of accessible toilets yeah yeah i mean i mean i've been in the last two years i've been talking to my to milton Keynes university hospital and, you know, I had a meeting with them about a year ago, maybe about two years ago, actually. And, you know, when they were building the nice big extension that they've now had, I didn't quite understand why they didn't build a change in places in the new toilet facilities that they had as you walk into the new fandangled entrance that you've got of a big reception desk and you've got um subways one side and costa the other side and, mm-hmm. you know, a little seating area and i didn't quite understand and i when i spoke to them their answer was well we did look into it but we didn't quite know how oh and you just think well, so why didn't you ask someone yeah you know why didn't you source some kind of way of being able to be and it's not like changing places isn't online it's not like you don't put in changing places and it comes up mm-hmm. and you know now they're saying that they will build one they are building one and it's going to be in a new building that they're building but then it just makes me think well maybe you should have done that when you were doing the original new build yeah well, I, I guess, and I, I can be quite feisty here, but what gets my guilt more than anything is that if they hadn't built that area with bog-standard male-female toilets, they would have knocked the whole thing down and made it again. Yeah. Or they would have built an extension to make sure. And again, yeah. it's that thing that disabled people are always being left behind. And mm. I, that is see i swear a lot that's utter bullshit to me because i don't understand how they can even say for one instance especially in today's day and age we didn't know how you would have to all you'd have to do is type in um disabled toilets or access to disabled toilets and hundreds of disabled people talking about this very fucking issue (laughs) would have come up yeah absolutely yeah and i mean i'm known for talking toilets you know that is my (laughs) That is my, as my husband calls it, my favourite subject. So, and it is, you know, I do talk a lot about toilets. I do a Twitter group with MD Bloggers Crew. The present that they bought me for my birthday just gone is a mug that says shit happens in the shape of a, in the shape of a toilet. So, and it, it just goes to show how much I talk about toilets. And yeah. I do. And it's quite funny because when we've been in lockdown, I've missed talking about toilets (laughs) and i find it it's like what was i had a conversation with my husband he said what's going to happen when there's no need for a change in places to be built what are you going to talk about and i was like oh my god what's going to happen to me if i don't talk about toilets what's actually going to happen what am i going to talk about then Uh, (laughs) what i don't understand no don't say that (laughs) yeah (laughs) So it is, you know, you just don't realise half the conversations that I do have with people is about toilets mm-hmm. and about, you know, my need to be able to go to the toilet, my right to be able to go to the toilet. They were amazed at what I was saying to them. And the fact is that, you know, I was limiting what I was drinking and I was, you know, 
unable to kind of go out and enjoy their company as well as enjoying life. And they always did wonder why I said no to half of the stuff. And they thought it was just because I was having a bad day or mm. I couldn't, you know, they would always try and source out somewhere that was equipped for someone in a wheelchair. And mm -hmm. then when I openly said it's because there's no toilet facilities and, you know, it's not just about whether I can get through the front door, it's about whether or not I can go to the toilet or whether I'm spending, I want to be able to spend five hours, you know, in a restaurant with you guys, having a laugh and a joke and not have to worry about having one glass of water that's going to last me that five hours. And I'm only going to have two sips out of it. Yeah. These stories are rife. They're everywhere. I see them all the time. I think we really do take for granted, especially because we're a first world country, of how necessary it is to have these conversations. So the government grant that you were talking about, is there somewhere online that we can, we can access in order to share it with our networks? Yeah, if you go, if you type in government changing places, it's there, it comes up, it's ready, available, hopefully other companies will come forward and will say, yes, okay, we see the need. Hopefully having this COVID-19, as much as it's been a pain in the ass, mm -hmm. it's also shone a very big light on the disability world yeah. and how it's not as accessible as an able-bodied person thinks it is yeah and i kind of did get my knickers in a twist a couple of weeks ago when the thing started easing and i was seeing um, journalists come out with um public toilets and how they were shut and people were angry about the fact is they were you know having people peeing up their garden path and I think it was key day or something it was called, mm. or fly peeing it was called something like that and you know people were moaning about going into a car park and seeing babies being changed in the back of a car and you know how people were leaving and I just kind of this is what I've been screaming from the rooftops about for the past two years yeah. is that I've got nowhere to go to the toilet. You've got a public toilet. You can walk into a restaurant and use a toilet. I can't, I don't have that privilege. You know, quarter of a million other disabled people don't have that privilege. Mm -hmm. And I did, it did make, it did kind of make me think, be careful what you wish for. Because now the disability world are going to remind you that in actual fact, you've got more facilities than we have. Mm -hmm. So maybe you should think about, and I'm not, like I've said, I'm not expecting every able-bodied person out there to understand what it's like mm -hmm. to be disabled or have a disability unless you are in a situation where you have someone in your family or you have a friend that can openly tell you the struggles that we have just going outside of our own four walls because our four walls are a safety net yeah nine times out of ten our four walls we have accessibility yes you know that's another issue that i'm quite passionate about is that accessibility within the home isn't up to scratch either mm -hmm. but this is my safety net so going outside of my safety net sometimes does cause anxiety does cause stress and it shouldn't have to be that way it shouldn't have to be that i have to sit here for a whole week planning a day out yeah over a toilet yeah yeah and i i appreciate your compassion towards able-bodied people non-disabled people and i'm sure whoever listens to this also will but i think going back to what we said at the beginning that using a bathroom using a toilet is a human right it's a basic human right and i think the more people that listen to this and can understand it doesn't you don't have to be disabled but just think about you needing or for example touch wood it never happens but an accident happens and you end up needing to 
use a power wheelchair and need a change in places toilet and then someone in your family or a PA has to change you on a dirty toilet floor yeah. or your child is in that situation and you have to change them on a dirty toilet floor or as you said in the back of the car or with the doors wide open for every Tom, Dick and Harry to see. Yeah. You know, it, it, humanity, you know, we all have compassion and we all have common sense. Sometimes we need to switch it on. Mm-hmm. And that's all that we ask is that you switch on your common sense. The next time if you're able-bodied, I ask you to just, when you go and use a public toilet, have a look around look and see what's available and how a 19-inch wheelchair is never going to be able to get into um, a stall that you're in and you're able to use. Mm-hmm. It's going to a shop and seeing whether or not there's a step up. You know, someone who's blind, they're stick like yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to know what it's like to be blind. I just know, I can empathise with you mm-hmm. and know that your struggles are very similar to mine but not as similar to mine in yeah. that a step for me is going to be very hard to get up on a wheelchair i mean i can try and take a running jump <laughs> but it might not work yeah um i mean i'd be able to take a running jump off the step just not yeah. up the step yeah it's, not um, it's different for everybody every disability is different mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes i mean i have had several people when they've you know done damage to their arm and they've not been able to use that arm for like a week (laughs) I have found that they've come to me and said oh oh my god you know I know how it feels to be you oh shut up and I'm like what how on earth do you even know there's there's no comparison whatsoever not not even remotely like going back to the conversation we were having with me being an ambulatory wheelchair user and being able to get out if there was a flight of stairs that isn't a luxury for many people who are wheelchair users especially those who are power chair users so no our our our, um experiences aren't even parallel there but i can empathize a hell lot more than you can mr broke yeah. my arm and have it in a cast for six weeks get a grip yeah exactly yeah exactly i mean i we we went on holiday to mallorca a couple of years ago and um when we got there normally when we go on holiday we've been on the box we've been on the lower floor so obviously it's easier to you know remove ourselves from the building if it does if there's a fire alarm yeah and we got to this hotel and they said you're on the fourth floor and i was like what I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. How does that work? And the, we were there for two weeks and the alarm went off three times. <gasps> and my husband had to get, I mean, it wasn't as if it was in the daytime when we were up and I was in my chair. It was at like midnight, one o'clock in the morning. And my husband was having to run down four flights of stairs and say, my wife is in a wheelchair. Do I need to run back up? And do I need to put her in a wheelchair? And how are we going to get her out of this building? Because yeah. it blatantly says on the wall, do not use the lift yep. when the fire alarm is going off. Yeah. And again, it comes down to common sense. Why would you build an accessible room on the fourth floor? I mean, I could have taken a running jump off the balcony into the pool, but, you know, I could have, you know, I, it was either a case I'm going to die trying to get out of the building. Yeah. Or I'm going to die in the building. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. I yeah, I just I find it yeah, I find it really, really bizarre that 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 was even a thing. They put yeah. you on the fourth floor just because that's where the accessible room was. Yeah. I think you never know. They could have maybe, maybe thought that it's because that you deserve to have a room with a view as well as like yeah, other... I mean, yeah the view wasn't that spectacular <laughs> there we go then so what's there <laughs> yeah, no, it was i mean it wasn't that spectacular it was um it was uh, a route it was a view with another building oh. right across it so it wasn't exactly a massively great view no oh okay then absolutely what are they doing <laughs> yeah 
bunch yeah. of losers gosh yeah oh. it goes yeah it goes back to what we were talking about before in that the disability world is a forgotten world you know we are literally a second floor it's like they've built a hotel and gone oh we need an accessible room where are we going to stick it oh i know let's stick it on the fourth floor mm -hmm. thinking that it's okay you know the same as now building um larger premises um the government have now said that they're going to put a legislation in where if you're building a large building that they need to add a change in places which is amazing so it means that yeah. no building now is going to be a building that isn't so if they build a new tesco's or sainsbury's or morrison's or any other building there's going to be a change in places that automatically built so I'm not running around after these supermarkets and after these other companies saying, you've got a massive building, you've got the purple pound, I would like to come and shop with you, but I'm not going to if you're not going to help me out. If you're not going to make it accessible for me, then why should I come and spend my money with you? Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think... That's almost quite a beautiful point to end on, <laughs> actually. Um, so where can people find you out in the world, Kerry? You can find me on Twitter, um, Kerry Thompson or Kerry M. Thompson. You can find my blog on My Life Kerry's Way. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, if you type in my name, if you type in Kerry Thompson Changing Places, generally I do come up. <laughs> As I said, toilet is my favorite subject. So you type in my name, you type in Kerry Thompson and changing places and you'll find me. I am very much there, full face and frontal, just not with a toilet mug in my hand yet. <laughs> that should be like your, your Twitter profile picture or something. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Tesco's to name a toilet after me. Oh I think, yes! I think it's quite for the last meeting we had. I did turn around to them and say, "Well, feel free to name a toilet after me. By all means, I really don't mind." <laughs> so you never know. One day. <laughs> well, I definitely believe you're building a legacy, and you know, all jokes Thank aside, I, I I hope that. You know, as your husband said, there is going to be at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, a need for you to not campaign, a need for you to not yeah. talk about changing places toilets. But the work you do is phenomenal and really appreciative of your time today. It's been brilliant. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Papa Elephant, Changing Places with me, your host, Sassy White, and the lovely Kerry Thompson. Please do go and sign the petition. And of course, look for Kerry on social media. She's a great advocate. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope it gave you a great insight and let's together help disabled people have the autonomy over going to the bathroom. Please do consider subscribing if you haven't already. Share this podcast. Rate me five stars. And I hope, in essence, this podcast has helped you to become a better human being.